0: Hey now! We are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times get it? with instant analysis of WWE Fastlane. That's right, we are officially fast forwarding on the road to wrestlemania the final pay-per-view on that road is in the books and the silver king is here with his co-host vintage chris vanini to break down every damn thing that happened on wwe fast lane sunday evening we are convening just minutes after the show went off the air we're going to talk about every storyline Every match and what all of it means for WrestleMania 37. And all of that is coming up shortly. First, you guys know the rules here. Stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. Go back to being marks for the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. It is WrestleMania season. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Drop a five-star rating and review. Let people know how much you love this damn program. Every single review is extremely important important number two do not forget to follow us on twitter at getting overcast it's where you get drops for every new episode and where you can vote in our pre and post show pay-per-view polls as well as talk to us about wrestling and follow our thoughts live during the shows all week every week so with that out of the way it's time to get into this instant analysis of wwe Fastlane, and the way we do that here on the getting over wrestling podcast is by popping a cold one now you're not going to hear the sound today because the silver king is drinking from a bottle i'm drinking muy bonita from funky buddha brewing in south florida delicious double brown ale with some apple and cinnamon and some other great stuff but it actually feels like coming out of wwe fast lane i don't really need a beer i'm a non-smoker but i think i need a cigarette coming out of that you know like after you have a great rendezvous you're laying back in bed with your arms behind your head you know in the old movies You'd see people go grab a smoke. Well, that's what I kind of feel like I need coming out of WWE Fastlane. But I don't do that. The Silver King does not imbibe in tobacco products. Uh, I am drinking the beer, though, the Muy Bonita from Funky Buddha Brewing. Chris, what do you have today?
1: I I have myself a Sunday Feels from Dogfish Head. Uh, Okay. Wife picked it up. uh, Nice. Earlier. So I grabbed that today. And, uh, yeah, I don't smoke either. I mean, if I did, I guess I could be eligible for the vaccine. I, I'm not yet, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I understand if you're if you're already a, a bit into that beer after uh, your Florida Gators lost uh, right before we started recording here. It's been a tough tournament for both of us. We're both, I had to watch I had to watch, watch
0: Fastlane and the Florida Gators at the same time yeah. on different screens. One on a projection screen. It was not an easy end of night uh, for the Silver King. At Michigan State for you, extremely rough. Um, basically, everyone I know who has a team that was in, in the NCAA tournament, they've already lost. Yeah, is, you, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. One of my employees, uh, Tom, he's an Illinois fan. Ooh. They lost earlier today. I mean, it is just—it's been a horrendous tournament for at least people I know.
1: Yeah, you I'll and, and I—we both blew uh, leads in the final five minutes of games. Not great.
0: Yeah, well, that's been Florida's mo all year. But we're not here to talk about college basketball. We're here to talk wrestling. Though no, I will say, you did mention those vaccines. Shot number two, going into the Silver King's arm on Wednesday. Hey, so two weeks, two weeks after that, I will be—I mean, not you know cleared necessarily, but I guess ninety-five percent there, right? As clear as you possibly can be. I'm excited for that. We have a big month coming up in April with a lot of great sporting events that I will be attending. So uh, it's going to be feel good to get all of that out of the way. But okay, no smoking, no vaccines. No beer. We're done with all of that. That's how we start the show. Now we get into the WWE Fast Lane instant analysis, and the way we start with that is by going over our pre-show poll. Now, for those of you who listen to our Ultimate Preview, you'll know that the Silver King, my expectation grade going into WWE Fast Lane was a flat B. Vintage Chris Vanini, his expectation grade was a B plus. So the question is, how did that align with all of you, our listeners? Well, in our Twitter poll, again. You can follow us at Getting Overcast. 8% of you expected an A show, 47% a B, 44% a C, and that 1% that we always throw out because I don't know how you could expect a D or an F from a WWE (laughs) pay-per-view after the last calendar year of shows that we've gotten uh, said D or F. So throw them out. It's basically 91% B or C, Chris, and I think that's right. I mean, if you were coming into this show especially a lot of the matches that got got added late. Not that they were bad, but you're like, why are you putting these on the show? It's too long. It doesn't need all of this. Uh, It's also the road to WrestleMania. This pay-per-view to me didn't feel like it needed to happen. From a scheduling standpoint, they could have done all of this stuff on television and it would have been fantastic. So I think going in, if you're a B like we were, if you're a C like the other half of the audience was, I think that's completely fair.
1: Yeah. And, and, Honestly, like, I think back to, you know, we have this whole issue of having the two pay-per-views. I think back to when they did Roadblock a couple years back, with was Triple H versus Dean Ambrose, the main event. It was like, it felt like a mini pay-per-view. It wasn't a big thing, but there was like one or two good matches. And that's basically kind of what we got out of this uh, pay-per-view as well. So yeah, it didn't need to be that long. Honestly, the runtime was short considering it was eight matches. So yeah, if it was they exceptionally had, short. If, if they hadn't added those matches, this would have been almost a two-hour show. Well, you would think that they'd put the United States title on the main
0: show and all, you know, so on and so forth. But yes, I mean, it it was an exceptionally short show. WWE's pay per views have mostly been under three hours, not counting the kick- kickoff show recently, and that's been welcomed, I think. And mm-hmm. you know, going into the show, uh, you know, going back to our ultimate preview, I said it was a B because look, there were a couple matches that were really exciting me, but a lot of the things on here just didn't feel like they needed to happen at all or didn't feel like they needed to be on a pay-per-view. And the other issue was this pay-per-view is only three weeks out from WrestleMania. It's one thing if you wanna do five weeks out or the standard four weeks, but three weeks close to your biggest show of the year, it just feels unnecessary. We can talk about that later in the show. We actually got a DM slide about the benefits or value of Fastlane even existing. So we can talk about that later. Let's get into the WWE Fastlane instant analysis. Now, the way we do this because we tape our ultimate previews on Tuesdays, which means there's a go-home SmackDown between them. For some matches, we have to go over what happened on SmackDown almost as a prelude to get you into the analysis of the individual match. So we're gonna start with the main event as we always do here for our instant analysis. We do it the opposite of our previews where we work up the card. This, we do it obviously the opposite way. And that main event, the Universal Championship was on the line, Roman Reigns against Daniel Bryan with a special enforcer that needed to be determined on SmackDown. So Friday night on SmackDown, Edge cut a promo, said Bryan deserves a fair shake at Fastlane, and he didn't care about the running knee from last week. Bryan later said Jey Uso will help Reigns win, and Edge clearly wants to face Reigns, but he will make Reigns tap out, he guaranteed it. Reigns said he'd rather die in the ring than submit to Bryan, who responded that he would take him to the brink. I thought it was a really strong promo segment, to open things up between Brian and Reigns. Now, we'll get to the match, and you can tell me anything that you thought about SmackDown. Uh, we had Edge against Jey Uso for that special enforcer shot. Brian pointed out that Jay helps Reigns, but he never returns the favor, which may be playing into a little bit of a storyline. Edge hit a hurricane on it and kicked out of the Samoan Splash. Edge then hit the spear for the win. Reigns blindsided Edge with a spear afterwards. Trash-talked Brian, who got ambushed by Jay, so Reigns could hit him with a spear as well. I thought it was a solid but unspectacular match. Seeing Edge against Jay it kind of made me think like, I don't know that I want Edge in a singles match at WrestleMania. And you know what? I was hoping that we wouldn't get that anyway. But I did think the post-match on SmackDown, the way SmackDown ended, was exceptionally strong for a go-home show. It got you wondering and formulating ideas in your head about maybe not that Brian was going to win, but will he factor into WrestleMania? What's Edge going to do? I thought it was a very strong entire episode of SmackDown, but especially the storyline involving Reigns, Edge, and Bryan.
1: Yeah, I mean, everything with them has been for, I mean, everything since Roman came back, but especially over the last month with, with Dan O'Brien involved, with Edge involved. I love the Edge and Bryan back and forth. I love the contract signing stuff. So everything, it feels like a much bigger deal than anything going on in pro wrestling. It just has that, the way Brian's carrying himself, the way Edge is, the way Roman is, this feels like the most important thing that's happening. And that was the feeling coming out of SmackDown, and that's the feeling going into Fastlane. It has, you're right, some
0: of the same feels as the Ronda Rousey-Becky Lynn-Charlotte Flair match a couple of years ago. It went through its period. Now, this one didn't. This one's been pretty strong throughout. But that storyline went through its period of kind of, we don't know what to do. We have too much time before WrestleMania. And then right in the finish, remember this, the we're like Rousey kicked out the window of a cop car yeah and things were like amping up in a real (laughs) significant way. That's what this feels like. It's like you're feeling the tension build. And I think they're doing a superb job. So let's talk about what happened at Fastlane, the match itself. Now, look, uh, for some of these matches, I did try to keep my notes exceptionally short. (laughs) This was not one of them. So the Silver King is going to go on a little bit here, just prefacing it. But as far as the match goes, uh, Brian... Was agitating and toying with Reigns for a while. Reigns was very methodical and powerful early in the match, but it was slow for probably the first half of the match. Reigns taunted Edge midway through. Brian found some momentum, but Edge caught a hurricanrana and put Brian in a Boston crab for a near submission. Brian threw Reigns outside, hit a flying knee first off the ring apron, then off the top rope, plus plus a missile dropkick and about a dozen yes kicks. Brian told Reigns he's about to get broken and stomped on his face a bunch of times, just like he did to Brock Lesnar before the yes lock. Reigns held on and finally escaped, powerbombing Brian. Brian countered the spear with a kick, and Reigns dodged his running knee with Brian knocking the official out cold. Brian then ate a spear, and Edge hesitated at first, but jumped in the ring to make the count. Brian kicked out of the spear at 2.5. So it was a little bit of a delay, so Reigns gets an excuse, but Brian's still kicked out. Reigns and Edge jawed at each other after, and Brian caught a Reigns Superman punch with the triangle, I think it was a regular punch, actually, with the triangle and countered it into a yes lock. Brian threw forearms into Reigns' head and put the yes lock on again. Jey Uso ran in and super kicked Edge, then Brian. He threw Edge into the post and missed a chair swing on Brian, who hit him with the running knee. Brian grabbed the chair and accidentally hit Edge when Reigns dodged it. So first Reigns dodged the running knee, and then he dodged a chair shot. The referee and Edge taking the brunt of those. Reigns did finally hit the Superman punch, but Brian countered the spear with another Yes Lock. Reigns screaming with the Yes Lock in, nowhere to go. Taps out, but the referee is out cold. Edge doesn't see it because he's behind them. And even if he did, we don't know whether he did, but he wasn't going to call it anyway. He takes the steel chair, drills Brian with it, then hits Reigns with it, then Brian again. He takes the chair, throws it down, screams, this is mine, referring to the main event of WrestleMania. Curses, leaves completely pissed off. A new referee runs down the ramp. Reigns rolls over on top of Brian and gets the one, two, three. Now, some may not have liked the Schmaz finish, but this was an absolutely brilliant piece of booking. I'll give myself the full Barry Horowitz here, vintage Chris Vanini, with a big old pat on the back for calling this triple threat match about Two months ago, maybe a little bit earlier, <laughs> and sensing that Brian would be involved in a WrestleMania match with Roman Reigns like six months ago. We've been talking about this shit forever. Now it's not the exact way we wanted it or that we thought it might happen, but it is happening. There is absolutely no way, in my opinion, this is not a triple threat unless Reigns defends once again against each of them on separate nights, presumably Brian on night one, Edge on night two. I'm not sure I would do that, no, and I don't no. think WWE is going to do that. They booked Brian Great by having him fulfill the promise of making Reigns tap without actually having Reigns lose the title. They turned Edge tweener by having him obliterate Brian with the chair and get insanely mad, allowing Brian to be the babyface, I think, next month at WrestleMania. Edge is so much better as a heel, so this allows him to kind of do both. This was a phenomenal match, a tremendous piece of booking. I'm not sure I've ever given a match with a schmaz finish five stars, and I don't know that I will here, but this is like a 4.75 star match. Wow.
1: Yeah, fist me after that match. I'm down for it. I, I was 95% sure it was happening last week. Uh, now I'm 100% there. It, it's happening, we know it's going to happen. Uh, I, you did call it several months ago. I think before that was even the plan, <laughs> maybe Consider, <laughs> considering, considering the way things happened at elimination chamber and yeah. it would have made sense for Brian to win and get that title shot at Lane Instead, they did it there. I think they've changed their mind, but good on them for changing their mind because yeah. this is, this is, this is one of the, this is one of the hottest stories I think going into WrestleMania that, that they've had in, in in a, in a number of years, maybe Kofi two Man- years, Kofi Mania and Becky are like right up there. It's like it's like this is the match that you're just paying attention to going into the show. The match was awesome. It did drag for a little bit in the first half. But even even so, like they're, they're trash talking with each other was, was was good. The way Brian carries himself, it's completely different compared to how he used to be. I mean, I mean, WWE tweeted some of their some of the, the, the fast lane clips from their match. What was it 2015 or something like that? And Brian was still, like, the underdog, you know, serious, I can do this type of guy. He's not that guy anymore. He's the, I know I can make Roman Reigns tap. I've accomplished. Oh, yeah. I, I can accomplish. I've accomplished everything I want to accomplish. I, 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 in kayfabe, I mean, I know what I can do here. I can get to the main event of WrestleMania. And he's, like, smiling throughout the match. And it's pissing Roman off. Like, so many little things all of these guys are, oh, this, this are, was- are hitting on.
0: Sorry to interrupt. This no, yeah. was American Dragon. I'm going to effing kill you. <laughs> Brian Danielson is what this was. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is as good of a Daniel Bryan as you've ever had yeah. in WWE yeah. from a wrestling
1: standpoint. Yeah. No. Yep. Totally. Totally. And, and the finish, man, I, I mean, first off, I'm glad they did the special enforcer and played it out that way because I think sometimes we forget what that means. It, sometimes it just means have a guy at ringside. To have Edge come in and do the count because that he can do that. That's great. That's exactly how it's going to play out. He played it down the middle. He got pissed off at the end with the way things played out. He, I don't think, saw Roman tapping. And Even if he did, you know, he feels he wants Roman. It's his shot. He doesn't want Daniel Bryan coming in, uh, taking that opportunity either. So, yeah, this is what I said last week, too, is he's better in that tweener role. Daniel, if they were going to do triple threat, Daniel Bryan had to be the face in this. And Edge can be that guy who bounces back and forth between both sides. I am so hyped about this. Every week, it gets better and better and better with these guys, <laughs> and I don't know where the hell. I can't wait for the the final three weeks of this leading into WrestleMania. It's stuff like this, which is when people
0: just throw a blanket on WWE and says and say WWE sucks. It's like okay, yeah, sure. There's stuff that's bad, right? Like most Reg- of Raw, there's, Reg- of Raw. <laughs> there's Raw, right? <laughs> Largely the large portion of Raw, like two thirds of Raw, Retribution, you know, and some of this. But then you look at like what you're getting on SmackDown, and you look what you're getting this is Feud of the Year. I mean, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, this is just incredible booking. Um, it, it, it takes, you can tell that there's many hands involved here, right? It's not just like Bruce Pritchard. It's Edge, you know, his, you know, fairy dust sprinkling on it, right? Paul Heyman, largely doing the directing. Daniel Bryan, probably doing a lot of the match with Roman Reigns, setting up how it's going to unfold. Everything about this, Paul Heyman's Facial expressions outside the ring. His go-home promo on Talking Smack, which you guys may or may not have seen Saturday morning. Uh, Just everything. Like, think about what we're getting heading into WrestleMania. We're getting extremely strong promo and arguably the best wrestler in the world, one of the best of all time, Daniel Bryan. Uh, Extremely strong promo. And, you know, maybe his skills have diminished. But, uh, uh, you know, very exciting wrestler in Edge. And you're getting a guy in Roman Reigns who is... The number one face of the company in the best gimmick of his entire career, operating at a 10 of a 10 with Paul Heyman in his corner, you know, one of the best promo and, and match building guys of all time. And it's all kind of coming together at just the right time for WrestleMania. It is extremely exciting. I mean, do I wish everything happened one week earlier and we had a little bit more time to fully build on this triple threat before WrestleMania? I do, but aside from that, I don't know how this could have been better.
1: No, I, anytime these three guys or this storyline is on my TV for SmackDown or pay per view, I am not on Twitter. I am—I don't have a second screen going. I mean, I guess tonight we did because we had the basketball going on. But other than that, I am 100% glued. I am on 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 hanging on every word these guys say. And you talk about what's 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 who's got their hands in this? Who's doing? why this is doing well and why other things of WWE aren't doing well. We'll get to it later in the show, but c- compare the feeling for this championship match compared to the Sasha Bianca thing they have going on. And like, you know, they didn't do, Hey, at and Roman coexist or Roman and, and Brian in a, in a tag team. And then that's it. No, they have three guys at the absolute top of their game. Yeah. Going into this, an absolute heavyweight fight where I cannot wait to see these guys get in the room with each other anytime it happens. This is how you book
0: pro wrestling. With, with crystal clear motivations. Yes. You know the purpose and desire for each one of these guys. You know why this matters so much to Daniel Bryan. You understand why Edge does, didn't just want to win a title at WrestleMania because he's come back, but why winning the Royal Rumble the way he won the Royal Rumble and challenging the person he challenged on Smackdown which was his show, you know, the, the show that he dominated for a large part of his WWE career, it all is coming together to just this chef's kiss, right? of of perfect storytelling and you even go back to Daniel Bryan. Now look, this is something that I'm probably going to have to a- ask Daniel Bryan or maybe Paul Heyman at some point whenever I get the pleasure of interviewing them, you know, at some point in the future. But if you remember I think it was six months ago. Um, I don't have the exact date, but there was a scenario where Daniel Bryan uh, was getting into it with Roman Reigns and Jay Uso attacked him and Bryan fought Uso on television and won. Mm-hmm. And the expectation we all had coming out of that was that Bryan was going to start a feud with Roman Reigns and maybe he would then win the Royal Rumble and go on to face Reigns at WrestleMania. Right. And then all of that paused. And what I'm now wondering is looking back on that, and look, maybe Brian got thrown into this late, or maybe this has been the booking the entire time, and the way that they booked everything kind of fooled us into thinking he was out of it, right? But if it was legitimately planned from, again, six months ago, seven months ago, whenever that match happened, that I'm tr- that storyline of the attack yeah, and all yeah. that type of stuff, whenever that happened, if that was the plan this, this entire time, I mean, this is exceptional long-term booking if that's the case and i do think that starting a anger and a resentment and a feud between all of them but then allowing it air to breathe it's very similar you know i hate to bring up aew during a wwe show but on kind of what they're doing with hangman page and kenny omega where it's like there's a taste there like when they split up of like oh this is going to be a feud that's going to happen and now they're completely separate but then they're going to revisit it down the line and i think before the year is out you're probably going to get Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. So if that is the case for WWE, and look, maybe I'm giving them credit that they don't deserve, but I don't. I think there's a legitimate 50 50 shot that the booking and planning of this went back six, seven, eight months. And if that's so, then they deserve a shitload of credit for it because they gave us a taste of Brian. Then they had Edge win the Royal Rumble, and then they inserted Brian back into it right before Elimination Chamber. And look, I just can't love this anymore. Um, would I like it more if it was Reigns and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania? Yeah, you guys know the booking I wanted and the callbacks to Royal Rumble and and the feud between them and their their history and Brian being the guy that fans wanted and Reigns being the guy that the office wanted. They could have done an incredible storyline. And you saw from the match tonight that them one-on-one in a WrestleMania main event would have torn the freaking house down and been absolutely incredible. So it, it, that was my 1A. But if this is yeah. a, a 1B, I'm not hating it. I'm, I'm
1: in. Yeah, I'm 100% yeah. in. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna get, I'm not willing to give them the credit or benefit of the doubt on this was the plan six, you know, five six months ago because, you know, that that first night after the Rumble when it looked like Edge and McIntyre might be the plan, and then they switch it, and then Miz and Lashley, and then the Elimination Chamber they happen. I think they've changed their mind a couple times, but it's worked, and that's fine. You know, it, it, it's worked out. They saw something that was doing well, and they went with it. Um, Brian has gotten his positioning into this match and it's great uh yeah i i think they've adapted i think that's fine we thought that was going to happen five six months ago we thought it was a royal rumble match we thought brian might win the rumble i i don't know right. we didn't know what was going to happen but that's what figured it was we they, thought they, 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 we thought we'd get reigns brian at the
0: rumble and then when they didn't book that yeah we thought brian was going to win the rumble
1: yeah and so you know i i think they've Adjusted as it's gone on, but that's fine. SmackDown has done a very good job of adapting to the things that are presented in front of them. So again, I, honestly, I think I'm I'm more excited about a triple threat than a one on one because all, all that past history you could talk about. They could have done it for this match, and they didn't really. So I, I don't know if they would have done it for a WrestleMania anyway. I'm a I'm a big triple threat guy. I just I really like triple threat matches. So I, I'm I, I'm actually I think more excited about this.
0: Everything about this is smart. It's going to give Edge time to kind of recover during the match because he hasn't been going at the same rate that these guys have gone. It gives them an out if they do want to change the title or they want Reigns to retain without beating Edge, Brian putting Brian in there. Everything about it is really good. I mean, this is far better than an Edge one-on-one match with Reigns. I really just wasn't looking forward to that. This, as a triple threat, I'm totally in for I still think a Brian one on one would have been better, but look, I digress. We don't need to keep kind of rehashing it. You mentioned Drew McIntyre. I say, let's move on to the kind of co main event. It wasn't in that spot, but it was the other really damn big match on the show. And folks, you know what we were thinking going in. The beef was flying indeed. But before we even get to the match, Chris, I got to say the video package that they did for McIntyre and Sheamus was WrestleMania quality. Uh, It was incredible. McIntyre and Sheamus were both showing pictures of them growing up together, wrestling back in Scotland and Ireland, and of course in the United States with WWE. And the video package just hit every note for me. I thought it was perfect. McIntyre came out in Scottish war paint. Uh, I mean, they're really going full William Wallace with him, like the, (laughs) the kilt the Claymore sword, and now a painted face. Let's hope that this was a one-time thing. Normally, I would criticize this, but I think considering he's fighting an Irishman uh, yeah. and their I heritage sure, yeah. has been mentioned so frequently, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was apropos.
1: Yeah, I, I thought about that too. I the, the Scotland-Ireland thing. Um, video package, we say this every once in a while as much as we can. WWE has the best video package team in the business. Period. Pro sports, college sports, nothing compares to, to to what they can do with hype videos. And they nailed it again. Absolutely killed it. All right, let's get to the match.
0: So it was a no holds barred stipulation. And we probably should have assumed it, but it wasn't announced until no. Friday on SmackDown. Yeah. Which, which was weird considering their match on Raw was no holds barred. And we thought we were going to get something like Last Man Standing. We were uh, very upset about that. But okay, it was no holds barred. Simple. Great. Great. And it worked out really well. They used kendo sticks extensively. McIntyre jammed one into Sheamus's eye. Sheamus drove steps into McIntyre's head and they battled among the Thunderdome screens until Drew literally tossed Sheamus through two panes that broke in half. Sparks went everywhere. I think Eddie Kingston was somewhere covering his head, totally scared when he saw those. Um, Then let's see what else happened. McIntyre pushed him on a road case back to ringside. Sheamus bro-kicked McIntyre over the barricade. Sheamus then hit White Noise off the barricade through the announce table in a huge spot. By the time they finally re entered the ring, Sheamus brought in a panel from the announce table. They countered signature moves a time and again, back and forth. McIntyre finally hit the Future Shock DDT into the panel and followed with a Claymore for the win. This was the definition, perhaps the paradigm of. Big I mean, there, Chris, there wasn't any water. There wasn't any bread. It was just meat in this thing. He don't want no water. He don't want no bread. He All he wants is meat. I mean, I kind of wish there was like a security cam on Vince McMahon because he must have <laughs> loved every single second of this. Sheamus, by the way, does not get enough credit for his level of work since returning. He's been incredible. This mm-hmm. was a great way to put McIntyre over exceptionally strong on the way to WrestleMania. I really can't say enough good things about this. You know, I don't think it was an all-time match or anything crazy special. But for a no-holds-barred match, I mean, it was above four
1: stars. It was really a spectacular match. It was great. Yeah, and we knew it would be after the, the, the match they had on Raw. And frankly, I said this in our preview, I think, and I still feel that now. This should have opened the show. This should have been the first match on the show because there were no stakes, because there was not a number one contendership on the line. And if that was not going to be the case, you should have started out of the gate with something you knew was just going to bang. And uh, I'm surprised they didn't. I'm surprised, really surprised with what they went as the first match, the women's tag. But this was great. Loved it. Everything it needed to be still wish it had been a number one contender. And Drew moves on. I we still don't know why they had to announce it right before Raw last week, but it is what it is. We move forward. Match was great. Drew is uh, Drew's looking good going into Mania. Did what he needed yeah. to do. Yeah, and there's really not much more
0: to say about this because, look, we already know the match for Mania. It's Bobby Lashley against Drew McIntyre, and we will indeed have a show on Tuesday talking about some extra stuff that happened on SmackDown that is not in this show, as well as everything that happens Monday night on Raw. So we will talk more about Drew McIntyre, Lashley, Sheamus, and really everything else that happens in the main event picture in two days in our weekly WWE show. So let's move to the Women's Tag Team Championship. And normally I try to go in order of importance here. And even though tag team titles aren't necessarily important, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair clearly are as one of the other main events at WrestleMania. So again, starting with SmackDown, you had the SmackDown Women's Championship on the line for what reason, I don't know. Sasha Banks against Nia Jax. There was good tension backstage with Banks and Belair, but they were still talking about freaking Reginald in their promo. And Reginald wasn't even there. He wasn't even at the show. Uh, Belair said she wouldn't help Banks, but came down anyway during the match. Jax did a cool move where she had Banks in a stretch muffler and swung her head into the turnbuckle. There was some chaos. Baszler booted Jax and Banks folded her over for the win. Uh, It was surprisingly entertaining, but it was a weird finish for sure. I just don't really know why they did it that way. So then we got Air versus Baszler in a match of the other two competitors in this. Jax was upset about her loss, so Baszler said she'd get revenge on Belair. Banks and Jax left their partners alone. They just went backstage. And like right after the match started, Natalia and Tamina immediately attacked both of them and took out Air. So one week after pinning Air, they have her get taken out by women other than Banks three weeks out of WrestleMania. So in the last like month, We've had Sasha Banks get pinned twice. We've had Bianca Belair get pinned once and attacked from behind. And none of those have been by Banks or Belair. So yeah. I just—it's really garbage booking. Um, the women's booking, like I said, it's been horrific, and this was just totally unnecessary. Lock zero.
1: Yeah. Now, I'm not much to say other than uh, I wrote down in my notes that Natalia looks great in street clothes, coming out in jeans and a shirt. Her and Tamina—they look just way. Better and tougher wearing that in a beatdown than they do like their wrestling gear. So, keep doing like kind of like the Drew McIntyre effect. Uh, I would say keep keep going with that moving forward. That's the only other thing I got to say, other than Bianca and Sasha uh, seem to lose a lot. And then we'll we'll get into that here.
0: So, as far as the women's tag team match on the show, Nia Jax and Shayna Baze were the champions against Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. It opened uh, fast lane. It was the first match on the main card. Great action throughout, actually, to my surprise. Not really surprised, because all four of them are pretty good. Jax has improved a lot recently now that she's been working with Banks and Belair, or maybe it's just Banks and Belair making her look better. But there was good action in the match. Belair hit, hit a sick 450 on Baszler, but Reginald distracted the referee. The challengers took him out, and then Banks had the bank statement on Basler, but Belair was thrown into her by Jax, breaking up the submission. Banks blamed Basler and shoved her in the face. Baszler played possum and then rolled up Banks for the title retention. So Banks and Belair then argued loudly after the match. Banks called her a rookie twice and laid in a mother of a slap right <laughs> yeah. across her face yeah. that I, I think popped Belair's eyelash off her face. Uh, Belair didn't retaliate, but she instead looked at the WrestleMania sign, almost like she was saying, she's a veteran, so I'm not going to attack her. But at the same time, you know, her ass is getting handed to her at WrestleMania. Uh, So I'm willing to, I guess, look at the positives here. The wrestling was good. The storytelling was on point, even if it's an angle that we've seen dozens of times. And Reginald ultimately did not side with Banks to invade the WrestleMania storyline, which is a great thing. The bad part was the finish, which saw Banks again getting pinned for no reason. However, the post-match aggressiveness was on point from Banks. She pimp slapped her right across the face. I mean, it it was ridiculous. And the best way I can describe this, Chris, is it feels like we have you know, been swimming through a mile of shit like Andy Dufresne and are coming out clean on the other side where we had to deal with the stupid tag team title storyline and the idiotic decision to like pull Reginald off of Carmella and have her get involved with Banks and Bel Air who don't need a man involved in their storyline for WrestleMania main event feud the, one of the biggest up-and-coming stars in the company and one of the best women's wrestlers, if not the biggest women's wrestler in the company, and Sasha Banks. We never needed Reginald. And like I said, it just feels like we've now waded through all of that shit and with three weeks, weeks left until WrestleMania, okay, now we can actually get to the aggressive, athletic, um, personality-driven storyline of Banks and Baszler that we've been wanting for the last month and a half. Uh, Banks
1: and Bianca. I, I hope oh, so. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's kind of how it felt with Raw, where they just like just ended certain things and started new things and said, "This is where we're doing moving forward." And in one hand, it's like, okay, that makes for a terrible episode of TV and made no sense, but it gives you hope for the final three, four weeks. And yes, for the final three, four weeks, I am looking forward to what they do with Sasha and Bianca. I just, I cannot believe what they've done with them over the last month. I don't know. How- what 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 kind of build for a championship match is it to just have them continue to lose lose matches or get DQ'd or things like that? Like how does that build anything? None of them look better coming out of this last month. They 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 really have taken like a, a little bit of shine off of them. Now they have plenty of time to get it back, and I think they will. But man oh man, this was this was complete nonsense. I know they were really trying to build up. Hey, Shawn Michaels and John Cena fought each other as tag team champs, so it can happen. But let's be honest, none of us knew this, thought it was going to happen. They've been building women's tag teams. We know we know what was going to happen. That's why I was surprised this led the show off, because we all knew how it was going to end. And for them to really do the distraction roll-up for for the women's match is just like, every time they do a distract, distraction roll-up for the women, I just cringe and... You know, you could have done something different. It's nitpicking. They weren't going to win anyway, whatever. But, man, just all the bad things they've been doing in women's wrestling the last couple weeks, months, showed up there. You had Reginald. You had distractions. You had roll-ups. You had tag team champions with singles belts and going back and forth. Just nonsense. So it's over. I think they can get this back on track for the next three, four weeks. But, man, they've really done both of them a disservice with what they've booked the last month. Yeah, and this goes back to the thing
0: that we talked about with Rousey and Becky Lynch and Flair. And just the biggest issue with WWE is there's so much time between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, and they try to fit in two additional pay-per-views. So it creates booking problems for them, where otherwise they could write people off with injuries or, you know, stretch things out or create in-between feuds that actually make sense. Instead, they they just try to keep all the stars always on the show and all the titles always on the show together. And they've screwed up because now they're not building really, except for one, other women's tag teams to get them ready to challenge at WrestleMania. Now there's three weeks left. And I guess Natalia and Tamina now appear to be the obvious challengers. And I mean, it feels to me like they might actually put the titles on Natalia and Tamina at WrestleMania as like a thank you because they're veterans, but no one wants that. Like as much as I respect them, I want other teams getting that opportunity. I want the sexy muscle friends or the riot squad. And it's just, I think it's super weird that they decided to go in this direction, both with the women's tag team storyline, but of course, with the SmackDown Women's Championship storyline. So really unfortunate. But like I said, I hope, my prayer is that we are now on the other side of the garbage. And now we have three weeks of build where you really, I mean, you have three weeks until WrestleMania, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. You should not miss. Like these three weeks all need to be strong. And if they are, then the video package we're going to get ahead of their match at WrestleMania, it's not going to include Reginald. It's not going to include some of the other bullshit. It's going to include clips over the last three weeks, plus Belair winning the Royal Rumble and Banks' success, you know, winning the championship previously from uh, Bayley. That will be the package. It won't be the garbage. So let's hope that we can put this all behind us and kind of move forward. And with that, I should note that promotional consideration for the Getting Over Wrestling podcast is brought to you by Manscaped the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technological developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer for you, our Getting Over listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code GOMAN at manscaped.com. This show, you guys know, it's all about big meaty men slapping meat. And Manscaped is all about protecting men's meat. They hooked me up with a bunch of tools from their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. And from a lifetime of trimming down low, I can tell you I have never used something this perfectly designed. The Perfect Package 3.0 from Manscaped includes the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawn Mower 3.0. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming incidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology. I definitely feel more confident shaving the boys with this. And as a guy who also always trims his facial hair, it's great to have a separate trimmer for this job because you cannot use the same one on both. That is disgusting. Also in the Perfect Package 3.0 are some products to keep your balls dry and smelling fresh, plus a couple of gifts, including a pair of super comfortable boxers that Chris and I both love. Look, trim your junk, get 20% off and free shipping with the code GOMAN at manscaped.com. Each purchase directly supports the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. That's why we're giving you 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Again, just use code GO MAN. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job. With Manscaped, your balls will thank you. So with that, let's keep on rolling here with our WWE Fastlane instant analysis. Let's talk about the Intercontinental Championship. Big E defending against Apollo Crews. Now on SmackDown, Biggie was fire on his promo last week. This week, in a split screen face-to-face with Cruz, the way he was speaking was extremely weird. Cruz was slightly better. It was really a weak segment until Biggie got so angry, he tore the mic off, left, hopped in a golf cart, and found Cruz, who was also looking for him. They brawled backstage, throwing each other into the metal doors before referees ultimately separated them. And Cruz drove off. So ultimately this started. Zero point zero. But it went zero to sixty real quick, and ultimately I thought was great build to the match.
1: Yeah, the the the, the fight at the end was great. You know, we we've said for a while they, they have so much they can use in the Thunderdome. It was great to see Biggie get on the cart and drive back there and you find out where things are going on. You've got this whole baseball stadium, you might as well use it. So yeah, it, it was good. You know, Biggie's Promo was a little off. Even the last two weeks, he's, you know, there's all that talk about, you know, is Biggie serious enough or whatever, whatever. It, it feels like he's been trying to tap into that side more the last couple weeks. And some of it's worked, some of it hasn't, you know, you figure things out. Um, my biggest issue, and I said it last week uh, in, in the preview going into this, was he seemed to be okay. So I, I was surprised he wasn't you know, nursing an injury coming into this match or something like that, because he was so mad at what Apollo did to him. But two weeks later, he was fine. He ripped off all the, you know, medical stuff. So I I, I just like a little thing that took a little bit off of it. But I was still really excited coming into it and did not know what to expect from the finish. And then we had that finish. Yeah. So let's move on to the match.
0: I mentioned the video package for Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. The video package for Biggie and Apollo Cruz was tremendous. That yep. said, the match was extremely short. Biggie was super aggressive out of the gate, taking his anger out on Cruz and talking a ton of audible trash that the cameras picked up. That was really a nice touch, I thought. Cruz did some, you know, offense. He did get some coming back on Biggie, but Biggie got his knees up during a standing moonsault and then he turned a small package over for a sudden one-two-three on Cruz. Commentary sold it as inconclusive at first. But Cruz immediately attacked Big E with three angle slams and screamed, this isn't over. Some people thought this was a botched finish. I didn't. He was in a pinning combination, he being Big E, got a two count. He rolled Apollo over for a two count, and then he bridged his shoulders up, and that was the three. So Big E did not get pinned, and Apollo Cruz did. I thought it was purposely a little confusing, and you know that was the point of the booking. The promo package before the match was exceptional. Uh, the way it started was high energy and a tease for clearly another rematch at WrestleMania. But I got to say, look, this was some shoddy ass booking here, not because of the finish. There was no reason for this match to happen on this pay-per-view. It should not have been booked. They should have done another injury angle with Biggie, taking him out another week, and then just pushing it forward to WrestleMania. Apollo Crews took another loss. He's now lost, I think, three Intercontinental title matches to Big E. Are you going to have this guy who's now lost three title matches to Big E lose a fourth time at WrestleMania? Or are you going to have a heel get the comeuppance and finally get the win over a guy he's already lost to three times? It's the opposite storytelling of what you would normally do. Normally, it would be the face in that position, such as like Riddle with Lashley or something like that. So I don't really get it. Uh, They simply could have kept Big E out longer and pushed this a little bit forward and built this match for mania, potentially with a stipulation. So I thought this was a total waste and had no purpose
1: being on the show at all. Yeah, no, it's it's exactly what I thought. That's why I was thinking, you know, you have Big E get injured when the stairs get dropped on him three or four weeks, and you can still have him on to cut promos via satellite and how pissed he is at Apollo or something like that. Instead, he was fine after two weeks, and we get this match two weeks later. And this, so coming into the show, there were three matches I was really excited about, and what ended up being five that I didn't really care about. This was one of those three, and it was partly because I didn't know how they were going to finish it. But they have done a very, very, very good job of building this. This was this was exceptionally done uh, on SmackDown, and but I didn't know how it was going to go. I didn't think Biggie was going to straight up win because, like we just said, that would be three straight. Three losses to, uh, to, to Big E. He also lost to Nakamura, I'm pretty sure, once or twice, although he did get that win back once he became the Nigerian character. And I don't know about the finish. I think somebody messed up something. Well, Maybe it wasn't the wrestlers. Maybe it was the referee. Maybe it was commentary. I don't know because I thought Apollo recovered well to go into the beatdown to make this Feel like it was impactful at the end because it very much was not impactful. Big E didn't celebrate like he he got one by on Apollo. Commentary didn't act like that. The referee counted one, two. Then Well, he got the kicked out of him immediately. No, but I mean, right when he got—I mean, I'm talking about right at the pin. Right, yeah, because Apollo Apollo jumped on him and beat the shit out of him, it, and hit three three angle slams. Yeah, uh, I, I so we'll get to this later, but I rewound it to watch the finish a couple times on WWE Network because I was trying to figure out what the hell was going on. And there there were a few seconds where there were Biggie didn't say we really know what happened. I I don't know. It, it was weird. I don't think they I don't think they booked a botch. I I think it's possible that was the finish and commentary messed it up. I don't know. I think somebody didn't sell this right because. The feeling coming out of that, as soon as that was over, was what the heck. Apollo covered well with the beatdown to kind of get it back in the right direction. But the large feeling coming out of that is what the heck just happened? Was that right? And that's not what you want coming out of a match, no matter what.
0: I got to agree with you. It just, it felt to me wasteful. And again, I know it was a card where they wanted to throw some matches on. You could have put the US title on the show and left the IC title off. Even if you had to keep Biggie out of action for another week, it just it would have been better than this. This, this again, Cruz losing again, just it doesn't make any sense. No. I don't know why you would have him lose this many times and then still give him a match at WrestleMania when Biggie clearly on television has continuously said, "I've already beaten you twice. You don't deserve another match." He still gave him a third. Now it's going to be the same thing. I've already beat you three times. Yeah, I'm not
1: going to give you another match. So. I don't I mean, think give I, I, one. Yeah, I, exactly, that's what I'm saying. I don't know how they're going to talk their way into doing another one. Yeah. Of these, Based on how it's going. That's also why I don't think that was going exactly to finish. Cause I, I don't think it would make sense how they're going to go, but I don't know. I mean, I I have faith in these two guys to recover and make it worthwhile. Cause I've really loved what Apollo's done over the last few weeks and Big E's Great. So, um, but yeah, Look, no, maybe they, maybe they some, come up with a stipulation
0: where it's crystal clear. Like, a steel cage match or a ladder match or something like that.
1: Or, or do a tour or do a tournament and Apollo wins it over two weeks. Cause he wants to get that shot or something like that. Or he wins Apollo, a gauntlet or something. Apollo. Yeah. yeah Apollo's got to earn. Yeah, exactly. Do that. Do a gauntlet match. Do like a four or five man gauntlet. Apollo starts it. He wins it. You know, you got to give him something here coming to if you're going to come back into this.
0: Cause if you're going into WrestleMania now, you got to root for Apollo. Like he's, the, he's clearly the heel, but I've seen Big E win already four times, three yeah. times. So I'm not like, uh, do you, are you going to put Apollo over at WrestleMania? I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, freaking put Apollo over at WrestleMania. That's great. But this should have been like a big moment for Big E, you know? So if they just didn't have this match, if you extricated this match from the card and you plopped it on WrestleMania, which is going to be on anyway, then that's the big moment where Big E triumphs and he looks strong. You have him drop the title a month later, and then you have him go on a main event run. But I don't know. I I don't think Biggie losing the title at WrestleMania makes sense. And I don't know how big a fourth win over Apollo Crews at WrestleMania is going to be. So look, maybe they have something in the bag that's going to surprise us coming up this Friday. Let's see. Let's get off of it. And we'll see if they have something kind of waiting for us to kind of get us to shut our mouths, which has happened before, but not very often. Let's move to this intergender match. Randy Orton versus Alexa Bliss. So Orton made his entrance and immediately started coughing black shit while posing on the top rope. Bliss's music hit and it kept changing uh, during her entrance. And she was really pale. She was wearing a lot of like white makeup with dark eye makeup as well. Bliss dodged Orton as he ran into the ring post. Uh, Then a lightning rig fell as he was kind of like stalking her around the ring. Uh, She threw a fireball at him. And then the canvas split with a hand suddenly grabbing Orton's ankle, a mangled burnt hand grabbing his ankle fire came from the hole and uh the fiend redebuted as bliss drop kicked orton into the fiend who hit sister abigail bliss then well straddled uh, randy orton for the one two three that's the most action i've had all year and then fire shot up from the ring post the fiend looked pretty disgusting with his face all melted and mangled he was wearing what looked like a like patchwork clothes all pieced together to completely cover a burn victim. Jason Voorhees vibes kind of like crawling out of the lake. By the way, I hate horror films, but I've seen all of those movies. That's a long story for another day. Anyway, I didn't love it, uh, but I certainly didn't hate it. It was really just exactly what I expected. So sometimes predictable things are good. This was predictable. And I'm more interested in seeing what happens between these two at WrestleMania than I was in seeing this.
1: Yeah, it 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 was fine. I, I I kinda was hoping for a little bit more uh campiness, frankly, from it, but this it was fine. I, I think what I've figured out with this story um uh, more than anything is I don't want commentary to say a word. I would just rather them be completely silent for the entire Alexa Randy Bray stuff because they just they take you out of it every time because it's freaky and messed up, and if this were real life, you'd say, what the hell did she just have magical powers to pull down the the lights from the ceiling? <laughs> like, how do you if that's really happening, how are you not freaking out of your own commentary? I, I I think I would rather just this happened when Randy was attempting to burn Bray alive in the coffin and they were like, oh man. I was like, what are you talking about? He's, he's murdering <laughs> a guy right here. Why are you not freaking <laughs> right. out? So I I, I I think I would rather they just Cut cut the sound from them. Just nothing from commentary. Maybe they don't even address it. It's just happening. Like in this separate universe of some right. kind. So that was it. it. It was it was good. It was fine. You know, I, I hope they do Firefly Funhouse match. I think there's a lot of fun things they can do. This was okay. I think they could have done a more campiness stuff and it would have been better. Uh, but it was fine. But my my biggest takeaway is just like, man, every time I hear like Michael Cole say something during this, it's just like, man, you're 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 Tom taking Philly me out. You're Philly. taking yeah. Tom Phillips. Yeah, uh, you, you're taking me out of this. Uh, I I think I would rather just have the the, the natural sound of them be you know the, the sound to it.
0: Yeah, that would have been better for sure. Uh, one thing I did like that I think <laughs> may have gone on unnoticed a little bit. The referee noped his ass out of there, like right at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it was the so, fire came out, yeah. Yes, yeah, so Bliss, like, um, you know, he's, he's coughing up black shit. Uh, the lighting rig falls. Referee doesn't do anything. They're outside for like a minute and a half. No count out. Uh, they get back in the ring. She throws a fireball at him. No DQ. The ring opens up and Bray Wyatt comes out of nowhere. Hits a sister Abigail. No DQ. Then Bliss jumps on him and the ref's like, oh shit, I guess I got to end this. One, two, three. <laughs> and then gets out of there. So I, it was just really funny to me that There was a referee and it was not a no disqualification match, but it basically ended up being a no disqualification match. But I mean, again, it's a separate universe and you kind of have to put it in context of what it is. I enjoyed it. I thought the fiend looked really cool. The new fiend.
1: Yeah. I'm, he looked freaky. I mean, the original fiend looked freaky when he debuted and we eventually, I guess, kind of got used to it, although it's still a bit freaky. This was crazy. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I assume this will be the new look. It looked like Bray had like a a glass eye type of thing or something like that. So we didn't really get a good full view of it because of the lighting and the smoke and everything. But um, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, SmackDown or Raw when we get the I assume the next Firefly Funhouse and we get something more from them. So
0: yeah, I'm I do. I hope
1: the it. presentation.
0: I mean, I don't expect necessarily the entrance to be totally different, but I hope the presentation of the character. Like I hope we don't just get the normal Firefly Funhouse where he's normal. And then when he's the fiend, he's burned. You know what I mean? That's what I'm curious. I'm curious how it's going to go. Or maybe there's like a mark on his body that like indicates that part of him was burned, you know, his neck or his back or something like that. Um, I'm not singing the Kia song, even though I started that. I'm sorry. Uh, But um, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious to see. My hope was when we talked about this was that he would come back looking different. He came back looking different. So I give him a thumbs up on that, right? It's creative. All right. A couple more things before we get out of here. Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. So from SmackDown, I don't think we need to talk about it. Like you need to respond necessarily, but Rollins poked Cesaro for getting his ass kicked and failing to reach the brass ring. Rollins said he would never forget Cesaro swinging him 22 times, called him the biggest waste of potential in WWE. Nakamura told Rollins to shut up and then hit Kinshasa laying him out in the ring. Rollins working with Cesaro and now Nakamura is obviously great. And I thought it was really smart to kind of hot shot this match into Fastlane ahead of the expected Cesaro match at WrestleMania. So we get this match. Rollins was obsessed with the swings and yelled about it during the match. He tried to swing Nakamura, but got caught in an armbar. And I think he tapped out with his feet on the ropes, but commentary didn't mention it. No one said anything. His feet were on the ropes. It didn't matter. But I thought it was interesting that he did tap if I'm seeing it correctly. And they just didn't even mention it. Uh, Nakamura hit the sliding German suplex. Rollins countered Kinshasa with a buckle bomb and a falcon arrow. Nakamura hit a big move for a near fall and kipped up after a reverse exploder. But Rollins again countered the Kinshasa. He hit two blows to the back of Nakamura's head, including a black magic, which I've never seen in WWE before. It's one of those low key moves that um, he invented like a long time ago. I've just never seen anyone in WWE do it. It was awesome. And then he had to stomp for the expected win. It was a damn good match between two superb wrestlers. It accomplished everything intended to rebuild Rollins. Shinsuke looked great despite losing. Big win all around, probably like a 4, 4.25 star match. It was just fantastic stuff.
1: Yeah, I didn't really care. I kind of was losing interest. It was fun wrestling, but I guess the story is Nakamura is defending his friend's honor and you know, the whole point was to make Rollins look good. He looked good. I'm not a big Nakamura in WWE guy. This was thirteen minutes long, which was kind of surprising. I mean the the, the Intercontinental felt longer. The Intercontinental match was less than six. Um but uh yeah, it was it did what it needed it to do. It was fine. This felt longer than thirteen minutes. I, I was totally involved in it. I loved
0: it. Uh it was a great match. Rollins Nakamura. I mean, just putting those names together in a match and giving them any amount of time is good, but again, I I thought this was I'm you say 13 minutes I thought it was 18 20 minutes it was just a lot of fun I loved it so okay you didn't that's fine uh scheduled was Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon they ran a knee injury angle for Shane during training uh, ahead of the kickoff show to push this match basically to WrestleMania as I said on our ultimate preview my hope was that they moved it up to Fastlane because fans were hating on it <laughs> but at least we're not getting it twice so that's the Bright side of the entire thing. Elias approached Shane backstage while he was limping in a cast with crutches, asking he get an opportunity for WrestleMania. Shane told Elias, as he was set to play in the ring, that he would actually be replacing him against Braun Strowman tonight. So it ended up being Braun Strowman and Elias. Braun dominated. Elias did get some offense after a Jackson Riker interference, but Strowman kicked out at one after a flying elbow drop. This went on far longer than it needed to. If you have the times there, I'd love to know how long this was. But Strowman easily won in the end with a running power slam. I really don't even have an opinion on this. Uh, It didn't need to be on the card. They didn't need to book it. They didn't need to run the Elias angle. I don't care about this. I do think ultimately that Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon will be a good match at WrestleMania because Shane will do some crazy shit and Braun can throw him around. And that's all always exciting. But the storyline sucks. This was unnecessary. And I don't really care. It was fine. It was a
1: C, you know, it was it happened. (laughs) You know, That's it. Yeah, it's. According to Wikipedia, the match is three minutes and fifty seconds. So. It felt way longer than that. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, so it was whatever. I I, I did la- I did I did chuckle at Shane wearing a, a Stroman Express shirt, but he like wrote over Stroman. Stupid, and wrote, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's like like everything everything Shane has said has been very like dumb and childish, and just writing stupid Express on his shirt was just I don't know why I found that funny, but <laughs> I found it funny. It, you know I. It was no. I saw a lot of wrestling uh, people on Twitter and, and stuff noting that this Braun-Shane match was not announced anywhere, like even on WWE.com, so they weren't sure if it was actually going to happen. So then so when, they, it, so it's then it's when you find out they have the injury and then they kind of figured out where it was going from there. It's weird. They announced it on
0: SmackDown Friday. They announced it, I think, at, on Raw Monday. They did not have it on their website as part of the preview. Yeah. Then they had... Riddle versus Ali, which Ali made a challenge after Raw, but they didn't announce it until Friday. And then they didn't even make Shinsuke versus Rollins until Friday. So like out of nowhere, all these other matches are on the card. No one knew the status of the Braun match. Uh, No Holds Barred got added to Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus, which should have been there in the first place. It was just... I mean, we'll
1: talk about Fastlane as an entire pay-per-view momentarily, but it was messy. It's just like... It, I, honestly, I, I also, i was I mean, speaking of, you know, hey, if you know Shane is injured and this match can't happen, that should be the first thing you say on the show. Like he wasn't injured during the show. Like, right. I, I, how do you wait like a match? I think it was after the first or second match when they said, oh, it was after the first match on the main card when they said, oh, Shane is injured. Maybe they said it on the pre-show. I didn't watch the pre-show, uh, but may- maybe they said it there. But it's weird to be like, find out like during the show that suddenly this match isn't happening. I was unaware. That was weird. I figured, you know, breaking news, like we're going to start the show off with this announcement and we're going to move forward. Like it was just. Possibly. A, if, I mean, if it, if, it, if it was real sports, that's how you would have handled it. Yes,
0: it, that's true. But it was a women's championship match, the tag team championship to open the show. And I guess if that's scheduled, you're waiting for a natural pause to kind of share the breaking news, which would have been after that segment. I get what you're saying. I don't think you're wrong, but I don't. I don't think it was necessary. It wasn't the main event that was affected. It was one of the
1: lowest matches on the card. It's just one of those little things, along with all the things you mentioned about matches changing and stipulations and things that just, it's just a bunch of little mistakes that just kind of look um, sloppy. Agreed. Now, normally, we do always talk about the kickoff show matches
0: here. Normally, we don't talk about them extensively, but I want to talk about this match somewhat extensively. Riddle defended the United States Championship against Mustafa Ali on the kickoff show. This should have been a main show match. You could have taken many of the other matches, uh, primarily the Braun match, and put that on the kickoff show or even the Intercontinental title match and put that on the kickoff show. But this match was fantastic between these two. Ton of back and forth, nonstop action. Uh, Ali had Riddle folded up for a near fall, but Riddle escaped and hit the entire moveset. Ali got his knees up to counter the floating bro. There was an incredible roll-through pinning combination where Riddle then lifted Ali up for a fisherman buster and a near fall. Ali nearly got a submission with a Koji clutch until Riddle finally broke it without the ropes. Riddle then grabbed Ali while he was on the middle rope for an avalanche bro Derrick for a sick finish to a fantastic match. It was an absolute banger. One of the best kickoff show matches, that caveat, that I can remember. I think it was... About a four four point two five star match, it was extremely entertaining. I loved
1: it. So earlier today, I googled what time does Fastlane start, and Google told me it was starting at seven o'clock Central Time, and I had to drive somewhere to pick my wife up from work. So I get a text from my brother about the Riddle (laughs) Riddle Mustafa Ali match when I'm in the car. I'm like, what the hell? I thought it was supposed to start an hour later. So I didn't see the match live. I rewound on the network and caught the finish and 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 caught some other things. Um, Great finish. I can't say much more about the match. seems like these two guys would have a hell of a match that you would love to have on the main card, considering all the other matches they just threw. Like, why even do the Braun Elias thing? I don't know. Like, why not just have this on the main card? It's a pre-show drawing subs that you need to have something on. I don't know. It's a whole issue with the pre-show that we've talked about before. But It was damn good, though. It was extremely, I mean,
0: bits and pieces I saw look really good. Yeah, that the finish was just an example of the rest of the match. It was a part, I mean, the entire match was like that. It was, it was really damn good. Now, after the match, Retribution lifted up Ali, kind of like Jesus. Like each of them was holding his arm and like lifting him up into the air. And he stood up and then started screaming at them for doing nothing to help him. He berated Reckoning, who shook her head and then walked out of the ring. Slapjack followed. Then he starts yelling at T-Bar and Mace. They pick him up by the neck, hit high justice, to officially disband the Retribution faction. It's so perfect, Chris, that Retribution (laughs) broke up on the kickoff show of a B-level pay-per-view three weeks before WrestleMania. If you really think about it, it's it's like (laughs) the perfect way to write them off, right? But look, Retribution ran its course. WWE never gave Ali time to actually tell the story of the faction. They never gave any effort to provide real long-term storylines or anything of significance. They never gave them an opportunity, really a legitimate one at the tag team titles. I mean, this usage of Ali against Riddle was really the best they had done in terms of making them look legit because Ali looks legit because he's a great freaking wrestler. So ultimately, I say good riddance to Retribution. I hope all of them are better off for it in the end. I think Dijak and Dio Madden can work together as a team. Ali is obviously going to do fine on his own as long as he's booked well. Mia Yim will succeed long term. The only one left out probably is Shane Thorne, who I suspect we'll either head back to NXT, maybe get moved to NXT UK or get released at some point. I don't know that they have any plans for him. His his entire tenure in WWE has really been a disappointment from the beginning. So bye-bye retribution, good riddance. Uh, I wish that you had done better because you could have, but it wasn't your fault. It was WWE's fault.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I know you had really been pushing for a Mustafa Ali Kofi match. You know, they were doing the heck, it until plans yeah, changed. Like, a, yeah. So who the heck knows? I, I mean, I, I liked I liked it as Mustafa Ali's group with them as uh, his lackeys, essentially. But long term, you knew it wasn't going to work. So who knows? They, they never got this right. They never explained exactly who these people are and why they're doing this. There were sometimes good, you know, uh, fleet promos. There was some good YouTube stuff. Uh, we 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 never got it on TV. It was it was a mess from the beginning. Um, weird, yes, weird to pull the plug right now, but you know,
0: everybody moves forward. Everything they did on social media between the promos and the tweets was better than everything we got on television. Yeah, it, if the it was, if the stuff they did on social media happened on television, this would have been a group or a faction. That we never we
1: we carried. never found out who they were. Like just. Yeah. Like, they would, like, allude to it sometimes, but, like, just tell us you were in NXT and you're pissed you didn't get called up, so you wanted to come in and do it yourself and run a Nexus type of angle. Like, they just... They never they never explained who they were, so we were never going to connect to them on any level, and we never did.
0: Yeah, it's over now. Hopefully, this allows for a refresh for a lot of these characters. I mean, like, Mace looks kind of cool. He was the only one out of the entire group that actually looked cool, I think. I mean, they all have to change. They cannot... St-
1: Stay with I don't know with Mason dark. T with
0: mm-hmm. Mason T Bar like doing that tag team finisher. It makes me think they're going to keep him as a tag team. The uh, question is, that's true. Do they keep the look, or do they come up with something that's in between that and a normal look where they lose the masks but yeah still look cool? I don't know, but let's hope that all of them remove themselves from whatever remnants of Retribution there are and move forward. And I think breaking them up now it allows for post WrestleMania. If you keep them out of WrestleMania, all of them. It allows for them to kind of refresh and you, yeah. you can even put them on different shows and just kind of allow them to kind of be their own characters and do different gimmicks. Maybe even if you think a couple people need to go back to NXT, do that. But I hope they don't because Dio and Dijak make sense as a tag team on the main roster. Mia Yim is a great piece for the women's division. Ali obviously is not going to go back to NXT. Shane Thorne, they can do whatever they want. Uh The last thing here, Riddle also had a really funny segment backstage with Nakamura Disagree. On, the main, Disagree. on the main card. I thought it ruled, Uh, he went into like this stoner story and Nakamura hid from him so he could get out of it. Seeing those two interact was really fun. Uh, You hate Riddle. I don't get it. I'll tell you this. All I have seen from Matt Riddle on the main roster is great wrestling. And I would say 75% of the time,
1: funny shit. Uh, I love it. He's great. I think he's going to be a world champion one day in WWE. I'd say 50% of it has been good Behind the scenes stuff. I liked him in, in in New Day last week. I hated this. He they make him look they make him look dumb, and it just it takes away from it. There's a there's a line we've said this a million times, but there, there's a line between being like chill and being stupid. And they're making him seem stupid too many times. And it's just it to me that's that's exactly not what you want in a world champion. I I mean not not to say he'll never be one. I think he certainly can be, but it's. He's been in a weird bit for a while, just kind of floating around, doing weird stuff. Not funny to me. I'm sure Vince loves it, but not my thing. Did you like the movie Half-Baked? I don't know if I've seen that. With Dave Chappelle? You have not seen that movie?
0: I don't think I have. Holy shit. Okay. Well, if you haven't seen that movie... I don't think you'll like it if you don't like Riddle. It is. <laughs> it's an incredible movie. So okay, maybe that explains why you don't like Riddle. I'm, and I'm glad I asked that. But it's okay. To each their own. Not everyone can like everyone. Matt Riddle. I am a huge fan. Riddle. I guess it is now still a fan despite losing the first name.
1: It works for me. There's Two nothing we di- there's nothing we disagree with more <laughs> than than, than Matt Riddle. Riddle. That's the one. It's crazy. Thing. Before that, it was probably the money in the bank briefcase, but not, now it's Riddle. <laughs> Which I was right. I mean,
0: you have. To, I was ultimately
1: right about you. Me. Ended up right. I. I. I was right the entire time. I was right the entire you time. You predicted nothing would happen, and nothing did happen. And I wish something. Had and I said Otis right.
0: was a terrible choice, and he was. He was a terrible choice. not right. his. Not his fault. Okay, let's move off of this. I do have a couple additional topics to talk about before we get out of the show. But before we do that, we already mentioned our pre-show grades. Let's talk post-show grades. So a reminder: Silver King gave it a B ahead of the show. Chris Vanini B plus. And the audience said 47% B, 44% C, with 8% saying A in the pre show. Now, votes are still being tallied, but as of right now, our post show grades show 14% as an A. That's an increase of 6%. 52% as a B. That's an increase of 5%. 29% as a C. That's a decrease of about 15%. And then 4.7% as a D or F, which I actually find interesting. And that's not an amount that we can toss off like the normal 1%. 5% thinking it's a DRF, you know, that's legitimate. That's people not liking the show. So that is interesting. But ultimately, this performed better than the expectation. Uh, 5%, like I said, higher, 6% actually on A, and 5% on B, that's 10% hike in the above average grading. And ultimately, Chris, that's kind of where I came down as well. But, you know, I always let you go first in the post-show grades. What is your final grade
1: of WWE Fastlane? My pre-show pick was a B plus. My final grade is gonna be a B. Uh, like I said, there were three, there were really three matches I was really looking forward to. Didn't really care about the rest of it. I was looking forward to Biggie Apollo. I was looking forward to Alexa plus Randy Orton, and then the main event, uh, Dana Bryan and Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns and Dana Bryan delivered. Alexa and Randy pretty much did. But Biggie and Apollo didn't, and it was weird. And because of that, it knocks it down a little bit from where I expected. The rest is kind of a wash to me. So it goes from a, a B plus expectation to a final of a B. Solid show, short.
0: It was fine. It's interesting. And grading these shows becomes tough because most WWE shows over the last 10 months or so, pay per views, We've given a grade anywhere between like an A and a C plus. I don't think we've gone lower than a C And I don't think we've gone higher than an A. I don't think we've given out an A plus yet. Yeah. So that makes it really difficult because how does one B plus show, you know, stack up with another B plus show when you grade it? Well, the way I look at this is I came in expecting an above average show. What I ended up getting was a great match in Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan, a great match in Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, a very good to great match in Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura, and a very good to great match in Riddle and Mustafa Ali. So that's four matches right there that I loved on this show. The women's tag team match was average. The Biggie Apollo Cruz was below average. I guess I'd probably give that like a C minus, right? Or a D plus or something like that. Alexa and Randy, and Randy, uh, I almost called him Randy Bliss. Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton, whatever, a C, you know, it was fine. And Strowman and Elias, again, a C or a C minus. It was just nothing. So I don't know if you can pull my average down enough to get me to a B. Uh, I think I have to go with B plus. So we're really? like flipping. Yeah, we're like flipping sides here because the main event was so freaking good. It was. And McIntyre and Sheamus was so freaking good. And Rollins and Cesaro, uh, sorry, Rollins and Nakamura, it's lay folks. Rollins and Nakamura and uh, Riddle and Ali were both exceptionally well-wrestled matches. So when you take those four, and those are the top four matches on your card, I don't know that I can go lower than a B plus. I think it's the lowest end of that range, like in 87%, I think is the lowest of the B-plus range. But I think that's where I, I wind up. So look, B, B+, it doesn't really matter. Most of you, 52.3% now, say it's a B, 14% A, 28.9%. C, you guys are probably actually flat B or actually maybe even a little bit closer to a B minus. I would say that averages out too. So yeah, that's where I stand right now. Um, B
1: plus show, good. Yeah, you and I like sometimes like different things. Like if there's a match that doesn't really mean anything, but the wrestling is great, like, like Seth versus Nakamura, you're you're all you're you're all in on that. I'm Well with you way. not with you not having seen Riddle Ali and not necessarily that, yeah. loving that match, that's the difference in our grades right there. That, possibly, but I didn't think Ali was going to win, I guess. And my big like sometimes the wrestling could be bad on a show, but if like stuff happens storyline-wise, I'm more willing to forgive it. I think sometimes just the in-ring uh the physical wrestling part of it sometimes weighs more for you, where for me, it's, it's more, um, the storyline behind it. So I I think, I think things different ways we approach these things sometimes and taking out that pre-show match. I think that's kind of how it plays out here. Well,
0: taking that out and you didn't like, uh, Rollins Nakamura as much as I did. And I think that is those two things make up the entire difference in our grades. But again, look, BB plus B minus doesn't really matter. It was a good show. Yeah, Uh, definitely an above average pay-per-view and continued WWE streak of say what you will about Raw, hate it if you want. But SmackDown has been largely great and their pay-per-views have been largely great to very good for the last 10 to 12 months. So you got to give them credit where it is due for that. Now, three things to talk about before we get out of here. The first, it came down while we were taping the show that Andrade has officially been granted his release from WWE. We are not going to talk about that tonight because we do have another WWE edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast coming on Tuesday. That will be part of our main event. We will talk at length about Andrade getting released by WWE. Number two, I got a DM slide from Maka Bayard at Cajun Fine, P-H-I-N-A. He says, do you think WWE should go with only one pay-per-view between Rumble and Mania? And I think this is something we were alluding to at the start of the show, and we don't have to go along on this, but the answer simply is yes. Uh, You do one match between them. You probably do it five weeks after the Royal Rumble. That way you shorten the time between that and WrestleMania. And then you build everything else from there to WrestleMania. Throwing Fastlane in three weeks before WrestleMania, it just doesn't work. The only way you can do two pay-per-views before WrestleMania is if you have the Royal Rumble in mid-January, then you have Elimination Chamber exactly four weeks later. That means you could bump Fastlane back one or two weeks, giving four or five weeks after Fastlane until WrestleMania. If you want to do that, then you can have two pay-per-views. But you cannot have a three-week gap between your penultimate pay-per-view and your biggest show of the year. It just doesn't work.
1: Yeah, I... I Calendar-wise, some things that factor into this include NFL playoffs, include the Final Four weekend. So sometimes things get stretched a little bit either way. But overall, yeah, I, I like the idea of the Rumble at the end of January. You do something maybe early March, and then you have uh, WrestleMania in early April. That That's probably the best way to go. Um, if if you can't for whatever reason you know maybe you do like a mini show where there's like one or two important matches it's kind of kind of what Fastlane lane was here but they treated everything like it was you know like i just i just think about when they did roadblock um a couple what year was that it was 2016 like, it was the it was the triple h dean ambrose match it was basically the only match on the card that mattered there was some other little stuff there but um, I always think about that as like a alternate pay per view that worked. That's a rare situation. Overall, no, just do one show. You you got to build these Royal Rumble match feuds because they're they're sometimes they just they lose steam. You do things like Sasha Bianca and you, you're just dragging your feet trying to figure out what to do with them. Shorten mm-hmm. the time. It'll help everybody.
0: Again, if you were going to do this, you do it a full week earlier, so you have to space everything out differently. And you make it a four, like you're saying, a four match card with a kickoff show. You do Reigns and Bryan, you do McIntyre and Sheamus, you do the United States Championship, I guess. And you come up with a different match other than the other matches that they had on this show. Rollins Nakamura could be a main event or or at least a really big match that you promote for a SmackDown. Randy Orton versus Alexa Bliss you do as a main event on Raw. That would absolutely draw a rating at the end of Raw with The Fiend returning. And you never do Biggie and Apollo Crews on the, on the show. It was too many matches. It was too close to WrestleMania. It was still a good show, but it hurt their booking. And I think we're going to see that. We saw it on Raw. They're rushing the main event storyline. They announced Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre before McIntyre even had this match. And without McIntyre really kind of saying, hey, I want to be the number one contender for your title. I deserve it. They announced it before they even had the segment on the show to actually book it. So... They just got in their own way here and it's their own fault. You got to either space it out better or lose one of the pay-per-views. That is the answer to the question. Last year before we get out, this was WWE's first live event on Peacock. Now, I watched on WWE Network because I was holding on to that as long as I possibly can because I love the interface and stuff. But you watched on Peacock. What I did notice because I had a projector screen going along with my TV because I was watching that Florida basketball game. So I pulled it up on Peacock on that. At the same time, I had it on the WWE Network on my Roku. The stream was 40 seconds behind the WWE Network stream on Roku, which on its own is normally like 20 seconds behind if you're watching live on the website or on the app or something like that. So it's over a minute behind, like the earliest the possible broadcast could be seen. And obviously that is usually 30 to 45 seconds because you're not in the stadium, behind what happens in the stadium. So now you're talking about basically a two-minute delay to watch on Peacock, that's not good. Then you can't reset a live show to start from the beginning once it starts, which is going to be a major problem for me personally and a lot of other people, but for me during WrestleMania week, because I'm gonna be, I've told you guys, at the Masters in Augusta, Georgia, and I don't think I'm going to be able to actually start WrestleMania, even if I skip the kickoff show, I don't think I'm going to be able to start it live as it happens. And if that's the case, I'm going to have to wait for the entire thing to end before I, either, before I even start watching it, unless I figure out another means to watch WrestleMania, which is what I'm probably going to have to do in order to do this show. Now, you, Chris, watched the entire pay-per-view on Peacock. Do you have anything to say
1: about my thoughts or anything else that you noticed while watching it? It wasn't that delayed for me compared to Peacock and the network. I had the network on my computer basically because of that last point you just said, which was you can't pause or rewind in Peacock, which is a huge problem. That's yeah. why I had the network up because when something like the Biggie Apollo thing just happened, I want to be like, wait, what the heck just happened? So I got to go back and look at it. I also sometimes I grab screen grabs and stuff like that. So yeah, that's a big problem. And I feel like that's something... That should be easy to fix, but apparently it's not going to be the case. Like that's one reason, like I have cable still is because I can pause or rewind stuff really easily. ESPN plus you cannot pause or rewind live sports on there. So this is not unprecedented from Peacock here. I just don't understand the thought process behind it whatsoever. I, I'm not a technical guy, but I feel like it cannot be that difficult to add live <laughs> right. rewind when you have this entire streaming service. Uh, right. Even if you can't start from the beginning,
0: you should be able to go into it and rewind.
1: Yeah. Like a DVR. Like, yeah. yeah. It's it's so weird. I don't know why that's the case. I thought I read somewhere that they're eventually going to have it. Just so it's going to, they're going
0: to have it inside of the next couple of months,
1: but WrestleManias in three weeks, so they're not going to it. Yeah, wrestling. there's going to be a lot of people who are annoyed, and it's not good for WrestleMania because it'd be oh, there was an amazing thing happened, and people can't go watch it, like until way later. Like what? Obviously, it was it's a billion dollar deal or whatever, and WWE's getting the money, but this is it's not good if people can't go back and watch the clip they want to watch, unless you unless you're able to get it up on on Twitter or somebody else can. So. That's surprising. That's a big problem. It, not being able to have the whole library up there, I get that's going to take time. That's not the end of the world. Not being able to pause or rewind the show you're watching, the live show you're watching, compared to what you can do on the network, seems like a huge issue. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what they
0: should do, and it's something yeah. they probably probably haven't thought of, and they probably won't listen. So it doesn't really matter. It's only three weeks. What they should do is cut up WrestleMania into like one hour blocks in terms of internally in their systems. That way every hour, something new gets uploaded and you can go back and watch it. So if you did miss something, then after every two matches, you're able to go back and watch it and then restart the live show. They gotta figure out a way to like, even put match by match, VOD or something like that, on Peacock, that way that this solves problems. Because you're right, this is gonna be horrible for people who like, wanna watch WrestleMania and it starts, and they're like, oh, I didn't realize it starts at eight o'clock or seven o'clock and it's nine 30. Oh, I heard there was uh, Seth Rollins was on. He's my favorite. Oh, I can't go back and watch F this. I'm not going to watch WrestleMania. That's a major, major problem for uh, yeah. when you're trying to get a lot of people to watch a really big show and they don't know that you can't do
1: these common things. That's going to be an issue for them. How many times are you watching sports and you're looking down on your phone or something? Oh, you missed all a big the time. Play. Let me ride real quick. See what happened. Oh, that's crazy. Like yeah, all the time. So, dude, I just watched Zack Snyder's four-hour Justice League, you know, remix,
0: and it's four hours, right? So, how many times do you read a text or check your phone or something, and then you're like, oh wait, what the hell did they just do? So you rewind thirty seconds, you see it, and then you continue on with your with your movie. It's common. It's ri- it's ridiculous, honestly. Yeah,
1: I- I'll say I had no problems with the stream coming up. It was clear. It was fine. Like I said, it wasn't as delayed for me. I'm curious what that'll mean for WrestleMania because sometimes I have to block WWE on Twitter because the second a match ends in real time, they tweet the winner out. Right. And so that spoils it on Twitter. If my, even the network is 10 seconds behind sometimes, if it's even longer behind on peacock, they're going to have to be, careful about spoiling it for folks on, on on Twitter, but I had no problems with it. I, like I said, I didn't come, I missed the beginning. I don't know if any, I didn't see any reports of Peacock issues. I mean, I remember when the network launched, it was a whole thing that it, it was, people's streams weren't working. I had no problems with my my stream. I don't know if anybody else out there did.
0: Yeah. I, I, when I was using it for the kickoff show, I had no issues. And certainly the WWE network stream for me tonight was fine. I think I'm going to have to go on like a Twitter blackout uh, most of WrestleMania week, where I mean, I'll tweet from the account and I'll have the pre show polls and all that standard stuff set to go out. But I don't think I'm going to be able to pay attention to anything because I'm almost positive I will be watching everything not on Peacock um, <laughs> because I don't think I'm going to be able to do it any other way. And that's going to be really disappointing. So, look, I hope that's not the case and I can figure something out, out or they can figure something out. But As of right now, they just made what's already going to be a very difficult wrestling week for the Silver King even more difficult. But that doesn't matter. We will do every single show that we've promised you here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. We'll have our ultimate preview of WrestleMania. We'll have our instant analysis of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. We'll have our instant analysis of WrestleMania. And we may even have a special WrestleMania go home show that Friday after SmackDown, depending what happens. So, There will be shows aplenty here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast, the week of WrestleMania. And I can't wait for all of you to join us for that. I also thank all of you for joining us for this, our instant analysis of WWE Fastlane. A reminder, we will be back on Tuesday with another WWE episode of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast, talking about a bunch of stuff that happened on SmackDown that we did not cover on today's show. We're talking about the... WrestleMania host announcements, some tag team stuff, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, and even Eric Bischoff's induction into the WWE Hall of Fame, along with everything that goes down this upcoming Monday on Raw, and then we will be back on Thursday for an NXT and AEW episode as always. So people don't forget, Stop being marks for yourselves and Go back to being Marks for me. Go back to being Marks for us. Leave a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow Chris Vanini on Twitter at Chris Vanini. You can follow the Silver King Adam Silverstein on Twitter at Silverstein Adam. And you must follow this show, The Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, on Twitter at Getting Over. Thank you all so much for listening. Like I said, tons of wrestling podcasting coming for you in the forthcoming weeks and certainly WrestleMania week in about one month's time. That's it for tonight. I'm gonna leave you with three final words. Bye for now.